Run while you've still got legs, the strange moon-faced man shouts. There goes the neighborhood, another man, also monstrously visaged, declares. Underground, sometimes the dead don't die, and they stay hidden from the beasts that prowl above. But they aren't a wolf or bear. The beast we fear is human. Humans drive us into the shadows, into Midian. I want to hear you scream. It is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We'll tear your soul Hello, everyone. This is Podcast of the Dead, the podcast about all things horror-related. I'm Zach Palmer. Sitting next to me is Isaac Wright. Hello. And joining us from the very gay void again is Chrissy Beetle. <laughs> all right, lads. It's, uh, it's a beautiful day here in gay. <laughs> <laughs> is it just region of the world? <laughs> yeah. What is the latitude and longitude of gay, please? <laughs> 69, yeah. 69 by 420. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> 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 Great minds think yes. Okay, I, I do like that now. I uh, need to make some sort of map that just has that coordinates, like a little island. Or actually find out what those coordinates are, if that's even a valid it's point of I the map. I don't think it is. I'm not a cartographer, but I, I don't think that's right at all. <laughs> anyway, happy Pride. Uh, this is our last episode in the Barker Bonanza. Oh, yes, of course. I was like, there's one more week. No, no, no. This is our last episode in the Barker Bonanza. That's correct. There's still one more week of Pride, and we'll talk about that uh, next episode, what we're doing for that episode. Uh, but, yeah, so we're talking about a very special and long film uh, today <laughs> just wait it's a, it's a weird Even one guys longer this is gonna be a weird episode i think just because of how weird the movie is. Yeah. yeah there's a lot to dig into like we said that for hellraiser and Candyman, but there's they pale. this one kind of just <laughs> they pale in comparison doesn't jump the shark but sharks were definitely like i mean someone got on a motorcycle inch towards the ramp where the shark is i'll, <laughs> I'll say that <laughs> anyway uh this... you in the face with subtlety yeah subtle i wouldn't call this movie subtle <laughs> anyway uh, this time we actually have some horror, horror news to talk about Yay! oh my god <laughs> oh my god so the first thing that the big thing uh of news this week is dr sleep uh they yeah. dropped a trailer for dr sleep which was kind of a surprise um the first, the first thing that I saw about it was Stephen King posted it on his Facebook page. He's, he just posted that teaser thing, that teaser image for the, the red rum thing, and then he posted the trailer, and I was just like, yo, what the fuck? And yeah, so it looks really good. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. Like I, the, like I was saying, we just watched the trailer, and um, at first, just the overall premise and like how it was presented and stuff, I wasn't super sold on. But then as soon as the music swelled, I was like, oh my god, okay. I'm all about this now because <laughs> the music's just great and it's it feels like an extension of the original film. As it's Fun fact: so. those shots, other than the blood shot, are actually remake shots that they did themselves. Nice. They are not Kubrick shots. They are 
completely new shots made for this movie. Yeah, and I didn't see the front of the, of the kid. They don't show you the front of the kid, so I guess he might be a, a new the, actor. Wait, the blood. so the blood, the elevator blood scene, that wasn't a remake? It looked like a remake no, to me. No, but that was the original scene. That was the original, that's the only, that's the only original scene it. of The Shining in that trailer. Oh damn, that's amazing! <clears throat> Probably because they didn't want to do that again. <laughs> yeah, it was so it was so much work. Uh, but so much Kool Aid was wasted. And it seems that <laughs> King is okay with using like it seems that they did a happy medium with King, and that he is okay with them using Kubrick's The Shining as like some of the inspiration for it. Okay, well, I mean, I, I, as well I, as his book. I felt like he has to be fine with that by this point. Yes. You know what I mean? Like he made yeah. his remake. He knows what the, he knows what he wanted to put out in the world is out there. But everyone, he has to admit that everyone likes Kubrick's vision a little bit more. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah, he yeah, has I to think know he's that. Accepted it now. Yeah, yeah. He, has, he has to accept the impact of it. Yeah, yes. true. Uh, <clears throat> I've never read Doctor Sleep. I'm not sure what it's about. Um, but it looks good. I mean, basically, the premise that I got was it's it's the kid from The Shining, all grown up. And now there's like a, a new girl that he meets that also has the shine, and so he's kind of taking her under his wing. At the same time, shit's going down shit's somewhere else. Be spooky. Yeah. <laughs> and so. Pennywise will probably pop up in a Easter egg because Stephen King. Yeah, and yeah. Stephen King will be a pizza boy again. It's gonna be great. Ooh yeah. <laughs> Reprise the pizza boy role from Re- Rose Red. Yes. Oh yeah. No, oh, it'll yeah. be the um, it'll be him at an ATM that just says eat shit. Oh, please. <laughs> like in uh, Maximum Overdrive. I, I, yeah. I forgot oh, which yeah. movie that was in for a second, oh, but yeah. I remember that scene. Maximum Overdrive. Oh, man. Oh, shit. <laughs> We're going to cover that one. I was one about to say, one. let's do that one one day. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that should prompt us to do The Shining, though, by the way. Yeah. We'll do it. We'll do well, I hadn't even thought about The Shining for yeah. a long time. I mean, it's it's so it's almost not even a horror film at this point. It's such a classic movie. You oh, know it's what definitely I mean? a horror film. No, it definitely is. Guys. We should do what? The Shining miniseries. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, I want to do an entire month of nothing but v- oh, did uh, of I, our VHSs. <laughs> yeah, did I tell you I have The Shining miniseries on VHS? Did I show you Yeah, that? I saw okay. it when I lost was The old- the only one we don't. No, have. we hadn't. Ha- we didn't have it yet. But I, I think not? I. Yeah, I think I may have uh, shown you a picture of it. But yeah. Ah. But no, the only one we don't have right now is it. Yeah. We're on the lookout for it, and plus it is probably super cheap online. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you can find it anywhere. Yeah. So. Yeah, you can find it anywhere. It's really easy to find. Um. Anyway, uh, the <laughs> next piece of news is uh, Veronica. <laughs> oh. Oh. Actually, no, no. We should. Oh, we God, should do that one last. Sorry. We should do Black Christmas first. No, we're already into it. We're, we're already. already, 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 already said it. I already, already did the Misfits it. lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Veronica. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm so as perplexing as it is. Hold on. I need a big sippy. <laughs> Sip. S I P P. Sip. I'm going to put a whole bunch of reverb on that. Oh, no. So, Glenn Danzig made a movie. Ugh. Already the first mistake. <laughs> That's already yes. the worst sentence you could have said. Glenn Danzig has a comic company. He's made a co- he's made a movie based on one of his comics, which are like an anthology. People saw it this weekend. 
People have called it the Room of Horror Movies. <laughs> and I'm not movie. talking about that, that horror movie called Room that came out a couple of years ago. I'm no, talking, talking about, about Tommy Wiseau's The Room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm excited. Like I said before, I have not seen The Room. I know why it's infamous. Eh, whatever. But now, now that we have some horror elements in it and it will make Danzig upset, I really want to see this. Yes, that was the best thing that you told us was that apparently there were people laughing at scenes that they shouldn't be laughing at according to Danzig and he was getting pissed off and I yeah. love it when Danzig gets pissed off. Same, I love pissing off Glenn. I mean, I... Like, if I could personally piss off Glenn Danzig, that would be, like, a personal achievement. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Like, the comic book Henry and Glenn Forever, people people laughed at that and he didn't like it. Um, But this, it seems that he did, like, a QA and a after the screening and he literally, like, said, Well, you guys laughed in some places that I wouldn't have laughed at. Why? And it seems that people just don't <laughs> take him seriously. We're supposed to ask you, you, you the questions. No, you give us the answer. You need. Uh, we need answers. They now. probably they, they looked at him and were like, "Are you serious? Are you, are you really asking why? You saw it, right?" <laughs> no, but like, because Glenn produces his own music now at the moment, I and bet he his does. last album. I know people that liked it, and that makes me kind of upset because it sounded. It sounded like how this podcast would if I edited it. (laughs) (laughs) It sounded like an old man over fucking karaoke tracks. Ooh, <laughs> gosh, that's what my garage band sounded like in high school. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah he um, shouldn't be allowed to mix and master his own records and produce his own records. He just shouldn't be allowed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a lot of things he shouldn't be allowed to do. But... Oh, okay. Anyway, oh man, this one is. I don't know what to think about this one. I'm but, very uh, upset about it. I'll yeah. <laughs> Blumhouse is doing a Black Christmas remake. Uh, and why is there another one? I don't know. We've talked about the Black Christmas And it's meant to be before. a modern update as well. From oh. what I read, it's like meant to be like a modern update of like these sassy women. Oh. Oh, God. Oh, okay. If it's Mean Girls plus Black Christmas. Yes, that would be, that would be interesting. <laughs> yeah, I would yes. watch the shit out of that. That would be interesting. Okay, to be fair, Black Xmas as they call it, the 2006 one. Uh, it was kind of a product of the time a little bit. Uh, it was very, it's just that weird, like, early 2000s kind of feel, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, it, it could possibly be good, this Blumhouse one, but you, you said I'm, Blum- not, I'm not, you know, optimistic about it. You said Blumhouse has its own thing where it's mainly jump scares, like they do a lot, of, they did, you said they did, well, actually, no, if the new Halloween was done by Blumhouse, I heard that was good, so I don't know. Yeah, but... Blumhouse have a bit of a reputation. Oh, I see. Okay, well... I mean, they did Get Out as well. Like, they were the production company behind Get Out, but... Huh, I didn't know that. But they also did... Oh, what was one of the things they did recently that flopped? There's a, there's a lot that Blumhouse have done. <sighs> um, They did, like, Insidious and Paranormal Activity. Okay, I mean... Okay, I yeah, I don't know if it'll be good, but I like I like Insidious. I like but... Insidious, and uh, apparently the first Paranormal Activity is decent, decent film watching. 
from what I've heard. You just have to like know, that kind of thing. I know they want to do... I know, I know they want to do... Um... Oh, they did Ouija as well. Anyone remember that? Wasn't that... Uh, no, I, I didn't Ouija? see it, but it's just... The Ouija board? Either pronunciation is correct. Oh, is it? Okay, yeah, I, I, I never knew. Yeah. Um, didn't Oh, fucking... and they did Unfriended. Oh, oh shit. God. I, I saw that in theaters really drunk. Did you really? Yes, oh, I did. Oh, no. Oh, it's bad. Oh, God, we have to cover that one. That movie looks amazing. Uh, we'll cover it on a They're Bad yeah, episode. They also, they also did that film Truth or Dare that came out. I don't, I don't know. Wow, um, okay, so yeah. It was, the... in the, it was in the same vein as like a... As a uh, happy death day, but yeah, they did happy death day, but okay. that was actually okay. Really? Well, okay. See, it sounds like they have a smattering of titles. Yeah, it's a just... mi- it's a mixed bag. So this yeah. new Black Christmas could be good as long as they don't like no go too hard we, on the I- incest we, aspect we, of it. <laughs> but already... they also want to do twenty Halloween sequels. So <gasps> woof. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, we already talked about it when we talked about Black Christmas forever ago. It seems like now yeah, right. uh, that was our <laughs> second episode. Jesus Christ, and. Uh, why do you want to remake Black Christmas? True. It's already perfect. True. Yeah. <laughs> it's already perfect. Again, if they want to make it a comedy with like a Mean Girls type of thing and star Lindsay Lohan, I, I'm down, but I don't think they're going to go that route. The, th- the Thor Ragnarok <laughs> yeah, of, of Black movies. Christmas. Yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but. Oh. What? I, I just. Just all fun. I'm trying to. I'm, tr- I'm trying to picture that, and I'm like, man, I didn't need that unnecessary comedy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's time. I was about to say, let's get into it cause... for yeah. the big stuff, <laughs> the big long movie. Sip. <laughs> Podcast of the dead. Hey, hey, Zach here. Just a quick reminder to follow us on social media. Uh, that would be at PC of the Dead on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Podcast of the Dead is our Facebook page. And then if you want to email us about either movie suggestions or just to talk, then you can reach us at podcastofthedead at gmail.com. If you want to contribute to the show in a monetary way and want to help us make better content in the future, then you can also go to our Patreon and contribute there. Uh, the easiest tier is just First Blood, which is a dollar a month. And that is patreon.com slash PC of the Dead. Now, back to Nightbreed. Okay, so this week we're talking about Nightbreed, uh, which is uh, one of the more interesting Clive Barker films. Uh, it's not yeah. really... Uh, it's it's different than uh, Candyman or Hellraiser because it's really the synthesis of horror and fantasy. It's like this big sprawling piece of fantasy work, but it's also got a lot of like really uh, intense horror elements in it. Where it's just it's not like you couldn't show it to to kids. Yeah, uh, this isn't Labyrinth. This isn't Dark Crystal. Yeah. This is uh, it's in the same vein somehow. Yes. Yeah. But it's not that. <laughs> it is in that same vein of Dark Crystal and Labyrinth and that sort of that sort of realm, but it's like they are rated. It's yeah. for adults. <laughs> yes. The only other thing I could think of is like Pan's Labyrinth that's kind of similar, mm. but even that Still way more tame than this is. Pan's Labyrinth does not have nearly the amount of fucks yeah. in it that, that this no. does. This has a lot of fucks. And also, Pan's Labyrinth doesn't have David Cronenberg being weird. 
True. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Few movies do. Yeah. Uh, weird is one way to put it, yes. Yeah. Uh, or a complete fucking asshole oh, is another. Pure evil. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, he would play a good Joker. It would have been interesting if he had played a Joker. No. Yeah. No. 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 Uh, Boone, Dumb Patrick Swayze. Dumb Patrick Swayze. Let's call him <laughs> Shit Angel. Maybe not in the book. Shit but. Angel. So, so Boone is having the, the series of nightmares or visions or whatever about a place called Midian where these monsters live. And uh, Midian, he thinks, is fake. So he goes to a psychiatrist whose name is Decker, uh, Dr. Decker, um, who is uh, at this at the same time that he goes to Decker, there's a series of murders going on. And Decker convinces him that he's committing this mur- these murders. He also tries to convince him that Midian isn't real. This is all just basically his psychosis creating this. He gives this. him some mm. drugs. He gives him, he gives him lithium. Right? No, they say well, he says lithium. he says he gives them lithium. Yeah, but it's actually but a it's powerful like, psychotic. Right, exactly. It's a it, antipsychotic. Yeah, it's hallucinogens that he's giving him essentially. Yeah. He so gave he's, him, he's, he gave him a good tab of LSD. Yeah. yeah. So, so he's trying to convince him that he he's committing all this, these murders. He sets him up to that he to the police that he's committed all these murders. So basically, he goes to Midian trying to find answers. Turns out Midian is basically just his graveyard, but it's really a hard, uh, like a, a safe place for all of these monsters, uh, and so he figures that out. But he, when he gets to Midian, the police catch up with him, and uh, Decker convinces the police that he's got a gun, which he doesn't. Uh, which that sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. the police shoot him dead. Uh, but his encounter with the monsters in Midian before he had gotten bitten by. A monster uh, called um, shit. What's his name? Red Pelican. Pelican. <laughs> Pelican. Corn fan ninety eight, as I like to call him, because he's got dreads. He gets bitten by Pelican before the police shoot him, and that basically makes him into a nightbreed, an undead, essentially. Uh, so he resurrects. Um, he what? What happens next? He just actually? wanders to the cemetery. He just wanders back there. No one knows how. No one knows why. He goes back and he goes down and he just kind of right, yeah. hangs there for a while. Right. The mor- the morgue has his body and then he escapes. He just gets out. Yeah. And yeah. He escapes. Like, he goes back to Midian. You stole that body? No, I didn't steal that body. <laughs> yeah. You must exactly. stole that body. Now somebody stole this body. <laughs> yeah. And there's this big press conference where the fucking oh, yeah. chief has this realization that oh shit, what the hell is going on? Yeah. You've been lying to me. Uh, the guy who was in this this morgue is like a fucking serial killer, and now his body's gone. Mm-hmm. You yeah, because he wanted to have the big press conference and say, hey, we caught the serial killer, guys. Look at me. Look how much of my mustache right. solved crimes. So <laughs> basically, while all that's going on, uh, and I know there's so much explanation that I have to go through the story no, this, this. story I, is so dense. It's so but ridiculous. basically, <laughs> while that press conference is going on, Boone goes back to Midian. He has like this initiation ceremony where they basically say that, okay, you're a night breed now. He gets, he gets basically confirmed by Baphomet. Yeah, I was about to say, uh, he meets Baphomet at this point. Yeah. And Baphomet is this weird 
just giant figure in the well, bowels. Well, Baph- Baphomet is historically like a, a his a, like a satanic figure, but in this, he's basically like the overlord, the god of the monsters in Midian. Yeah, he's like supporting the community. It's like yeah. it feel, almost there's feels a, like his a life of, force keeps like the them king. alive. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of biblical biblical imagery in this. Mm-hmm. Even Midian uh, is like a biblical city. Yeah, we in, looked that yeah, up, yeah. and it was something in Genesis or something like that. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's it, yeah, it's um, Midian was like the a son of Abraham or something. But um, anyway, so he, he he gets confirmed as a night breed essentially, and then Lori, his girlfriend, uh, goes looking for him. She's very sad. Yeah, she's very sad. Uh, <laughs> but she she's sad when he dies. But then she realizes maybe he's not dead because his body's not at the morgue anymore. Uh, she goes looking for him. All these stories are happening concurrently, by the mm-hmm. way. This is all happening it, at the same time. It, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it is yeah. bitch of an yes. earth. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they're all, they're all concurrently happening at the same time. So Lori uh, is... Like, trying to find Midian, she goes to this bar. There's this woman named Cheryl that uh, leads her to Midian. Uh, but unfortunately, Cheryl is also trailing Decker with her because they had a relationship. Yeah, they basically, she just meets him, and she's like, he's cute. He likes me. We, we, we in it now. Yeah. And she's like, oh, shit, he has a knife. And basically, <laughs> over the, yeah, basically, over the course of this whole thing, you realize that Decker is the serial killer, and he was setting up Boone because he want he wants to get away with the killings. And Decker has this whole, and we'll get into yeah, it. Decker, hold off. Yeah, yeah, hold De- Decker has this whole complex that we'll get into. <laughs> But uh, basically, he leads, and everything converges on Midian, essentially, where uh, the there's this big mob that goes uh, goes to Midian that's trying to kill all the monsters, essentially. Because once and then, Decker finds out about it, that's yes. when, because of his, the way he is, now that there's this weird, dirty race of things below the ground that he hates, they have to be exterminated, right. and he can't do it alone, so he enlists help. Yeah, and basically it ends in this huge battle at the end, and there's just this whole, like, it's a chaos the at the end. The last 20 minutes of this film are a sight to behold. You're just like, yeah, what the Yeah, they're a bit of fuck? a favorite dream. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I, I've had dreams like that. <laughs> so, yeah, and one of the things that leads Boone to Midian initially is, uh, is a nightbreed called Narcisse. Mm. Uh, and Nar- Narcisse, in apparently you said in the movie he meets him in the hospital. Yeah, yeah uh, but in, in the book, form. right? It, you said in the book he doesn't meet him until he actually gets to Minion, or what's the deal there? Yeah, it's because I remember very vague. <laughs> I should have picked up the copy that was in the local pub the other day. I was <laughs> See, I looked for a copy a lot, and I couldn't find one here. So, yeah, you yeah. should have gotten the one in the pub. <laughs> so yeah, all places. In, in a pub in Hastings. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Narcisse is a former human who turned nightbreed who kind of is just there. But in the movie... <laughs> He, I mean, I think he, I remember him having a lot-ish to do with, like, Boone's adjustment to being oh, yeah, like yeah. Reed, but, like, he's just, there's a bit more cataclysm, um, cataclysmic ideas with Narcisse in, in the movie. Yeah, well, okay. it seems like Narcisse is really important as a character to Boone. Yeah. Because he's, like, the first real Nightbreed that he meets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even he meets though him I, as a human. They, yeah, they even, both. They both are kind of looking for Midian at the same time. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he becomes half-faced Jimmy Buffett. Sure. Cool 
It's just the hat. The hat's the only reason they keep calling him Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, but so <laughs> the 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 lore is. I mean, there's there's a lot to cover with the lore, really. Yeah. Uh, but the, but the lore is really just. I, I guess the Nightbreed are like the undead, but it, the way they die is like that determines what they're weak to. Um, they're not all or, undead. That's they're not the all weird undead. thing is. Some some, some are undead. Some were born like that. So, so like Babette, which is the small child. Right. Babette is born like that, and yes. Yeah, so but was she born from? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. A lot of these people, a lot of the Nightbreed, like because a lot of those would be like second, third generation down there at this point, okay. as they are from the yeah. the tribes of the Moon, and they're like these are old beings from, you know, way, way, way back in the day. The before times in the long, long ago. Yeah. Oh, my God. And so they're, um, <laughs> like, some of them, some of them, you know, are more human-like in terms it's, of, like, It's kind lifespan. of hard to explain, it seems like, but, yeah. It, it, it seems like it's it's hard to explain exactly how the, the Nightbreed are related to, like, an undead sort of thing, because, uh, yeah, like you said, some of them seem undead, and some of them don't. Some of them are just, like, mutants. Yeah. Uh, like, like sort of like, they're like X-Men-ish. Um, maybe that's intentional. Yeah. Maybe maybe their origin and their exact nature is meant to be kind of ambiguous. Yes. Because, I mean, you can't explain, like, just normal people, you can't explain how peop- why people are the way that they are. You can dig into psychology and be like, well, you're like this because of this thing that happened in your life. Or you could just be, like... Just the way you are. I, I guess. You yeah. Know? And Boone's an interesting one because he's mostly human looking for the most part until he gets into like beast yeah. mode. Yeah. Yeah. Just- <laughs> and, and then he's like, yeah. Unit one's gone th- off the rails, guys. <laughs> <laughs> he drank that Mountain yeah. Dew and became a gamer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Four twenty no scope. And then like, and then like a little bit deeper into the war, there's like these like ungodly monsters. Oh, oh I love the Berserkers. Yeah. Who, the the, who are just the monsters who've gone completely fucking nuts. Right. I don't like that they put them in cages. I get why they had to. But they would it's, literally it's like, come on, guys, kill you can't everyone in cages. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but they, they're like these these things that are like locked up in the depths of yeah. Midian that are like these these just horrible, horrible beings. But you have to get by them to get to Baphomet's chamber. Yeah. You always... Isn't that the thing? Because yeah, that... he tries to stop Laurie from going to see Baphomet because of... Or no, is it Laurie that tries to go see Yeah, look, well, both Laurie and Boone go to see Baphomet. Yeah. Yeah. That is true. So, but yeah, yeah, but the Berserkers are like basically a trial you have to go past. It's like, hey, can you, can you avoid being groped and destroyed by these nightmare creatures? You get to see... Our God, no. Well, that's because no one's <laughs> meant to go see Baphomet. He is forbidden. It's oh, forbidden okay. to disturb yeah. him. Yeah, as you as we said, this the lore is really deep. Yeah, are you uh, already confused? I know I am still. <laughs> yeah, it was like it was like when we were talking about Hellraiser, it, was, it, it was pretty amorphous. But this is even like there's so much. More, it's sprawling. Like we said, there's just so much that that it covers and that we can get into because we can get into like the prophecy paintings and we can get into like Baphomet or we can get into like the deeper aspects of each individual uh, Nightbreed. But there's like 
there's so much to cover here, and I, we're not going to try and get so much into it. But we—that's like our our surface level explanation. Yeah. Of it. Because it's like there's like so much. Like you would need to watch the movie and maybe watch it a few times to really understand like everything. It's like. Yeah, because we, we, we didn't even, like, we're not even really going to talk about, like, the Baphomet water, I guess, and, like, what that all means. And, we like, don't talk about the, the priest. And how <laughs> I mean, we are going to, yeah. we're going to talk about the priest, but it, just a little mm. bit, yeah. because he is an important character. But I did want to mention that the Baphomet, like, the little stringy stuff inside of Baphomet looks like uh, Super Mario Brothers, it the does. movie. Oh, my God. They <laughs> have the exact same effects artist or something. I'm not like, entirely sure. Yeah, like, all, all that fungus that's in <laughs> Super Mario Brothers, the movie, that's what the inside of like Baphomet look like. Uh, so that's that's the first thing I thought so of, cool. by the way. <laughs> it is cool, but it also need, does look like Super Mario You just need to wrap up a little timey bomb bomb in it and just put that down on oh, a sewage grate and then get blast your way to freedom. <laughs> we... Uh... Let's let's get into Kauritsu. Okay. <laughs> Shut yeah. us up, please. Yeah. Let's get let's get it. Who should we start with? I think Boone. Boone. Uh, Boone. Boone is the yeah, best one. Boone. Boone's the best one to start with. Uh, discount Patrick Swayze. Yeah. Eightieth hair you or, can possibly have. Like. <laughs> or shit, David Boreanaz. Yeah. yeah, whichever you prefer. Yeah, he, he is definitely like a discount. <laughs> uh, anything. Yeah, I would say he's just kind of typical hunk. Yeah. Right. He's he's like uh yeah he's. He's the the stoic type, but he doesn't. Yeah, no, he's not. There is nothing about him that that is like nefarious or mean. Like he really is. He's looking for help at the beginning, and he gets fucked over completely. And then gets bit. Yeah, he's B -I -T -T. Really, Yeah, he's <laughs> he's really just trying to make sense of the whole thing, mm -hmm. I guess. And yeah. uh, he's he's not really a very strong character. He has a bit of development, but I wouldn't say he's the strongest character in this whole thing. Uh, he's just kind of the lead. He's just kind of the yeah. hunky lead. But like I said, there's nothing. Um. His motives are always good. Like, he wants mm. to know what Midian is because... Mi Mi Midian. I said it right. Yeah. Okay, I've been saying it, like, consistently, but I always second-guess <laughs> yes. myself. Yeah, yeah you, you were saying Medina first yeah, or whatever. Oh, God, I I've know. said so many things. Or Medea. Yeah, I said Medea a couple times last Medea, night. And... Medea's <laughs> monster reunion. Oh, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With Boone, you know, his intentions are good. He wants to do right. And he wants to you save know, Lori. Like, hey, he always cares I about got Lori. Issues. He's like, hey, I got issues. What's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, Please help. Yeah, like 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 I said, he's just trying to make sense mm. of everything. Mm. And and Lori Lori's not really a strong the two leads are not really very strong characters, honestly. Uh Lori Lori is just in love with Boone and she's just trying to like be with him like consistently and everything that she's working towards is trying to be with him. She she doesn't really have like more of a Lori motivation. Just desperate for that dick. Yeah. <laughs> It's good dick. I mean, it's wholesome, though. I mean, I mean, it is a love story at its heart, so that yeah. is good. I mean, there's always that aspect of it, but yeah, I mean, that doesn't that, that makes them not Here, here's great the characters. Thing, though. <laughs> here, here's the thing, though, and I'm going to spoil the ending here real quick. But the the ending where she stabs herself, it seems like a really selfish move. And you said that. Please explain. What do you? What do you mean? Please no, 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 just how, why do you see it that so, way? So like her her killing herself, like she's not sure that she's going to come back. So her yeah. killing herself oh. is just, that's a very selfish move because it's like, what if she doesn't come back? Then you just killed yourself and now Boone's alone. That's a really selfish move. Why, I mean, you being apart, uh, but, you know, still alive, I think is better. You know, if you don't, if you're not sure that you're going to mm -hmm. come back. She did end up he coming back. He said he'd come back for her. 
But that, yeah, yeah. He said he would come back for it. It just seems like a selfish move. I to see what you're saying now. That's like, hey, I'm going to find these people a place to live. Yeah. Then I'll come get you. Basically, what I'm saying is Lori is uh, kind of, of a selfish character. Not really a, a great character. Yeah. Um, uh, although that actress, that scene where she's singing with the band, you said that was actual. That was a real take. Yeah, that was that was that, her, and that was all live. I actually, that was like a live take. I love that song, actually, too. <laughs> just the line is like, I want a real man, I want a caveman. I'm just like, what? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's a weird take on things. <laughs> Stephen just kept complaining about her outfit. The I, I bet. I, I loved her outfit. <laughs> Fucking shut the fuck yeah. up. <laughs> that's good stuff. Uh, next character, Decker, I think is... is a good one to talk about. He's uh, the most dense character to talk about, but oh, I think we've had David the most conversations Cronenberg. about him. Yeah. Uh, Philip K. Decker, by the way, is his name. But yeah, like play- Philip K. Dick, who wrote Decker from Blade Runner? <laughs> there you <laughs> go. Philip That's probably a reference. Huh. The, the K stands for killing like an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were actually going to drop some real knowledge on us for a second, and then you went a totally different way with the it. K, the K is for knowledge. <laughs> 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 the K is for cunt, but spelled with a K, like the Kardashians. <laughs> okay. Whoa! Uh, what? <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, get back on track. Decker, uh, like we said, is played by David Cronenberg, which if you don't know who David Cronenberg is, once again, why are you listening to this podcast? Uh, but <laughs> David Cronenberg is famous for being the director of all the like body horror films like The Fly and Videodrome and all that sort of stuff. And also he was in Jason X. He was. Uh, he was in Jason X. But yeah, he's he's uh, again as a weird doctor. Yes, true. He does have a weird doctor face. But he's a much more fleshed out character in this. And actually, I think David Cronenberg's performance is all right. I wouldn't say it's amazing, but it is. Honestly, right. I think it's amazing just because of how weird and Cronenbergly monotone he is. Yeah, I, I was gonna say I like his performance a lot because I hate the character so much. Yeah, you that's know what true. I mean. That's like, fair. The- and he looks like you, Zach. Oh. Yeah, he does. <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Zach he does doesn't have 80s enough old. hair for it, but uh, my hair is not long enough and bit. swooshed yeah. back enough. Yeah. But yeah, it's I, when he you does, did have long hair though. I I, I did look a, a, little a little bit bit. like young David Cronenberg. Yes. But I don't know. But I did. I yelled at, at the screen a lot about Decker. <laughs> like I just I I don't. He's such a piece of shit. Like, and like we, we we said, he has this complex that basically his premise for killing or his motivation for killing is that he's trying to rid the world of things that he sees as unsightly or that doesn't fit in with his ideal society or like one of those, you called it the missionary serial killer type? Mm. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah, he's a missionary uh, serial killer. He has like, uh, it's like he's on a mission to... Uh, right the world essentially. Mm. That's the type of serial killer. Like and we, we've I, there are a couple serial killers that are like that. Uh, the Green River Killer mm-hmm. uh, was like that. Uh, basically trying to rid the streets of sex workers and he thought they were filth and all oh, that sort really? of stuff. Yeah, oh. uh, yeah. But it, it's it's that type of serial killer that thinks that they're doing something right by getting rid of a certain group of people. Uh, mm-hmm. That's that. That's Decker sort of, should have just become a cop. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. We'll get, get into that too. Yeah, we'll, oh. we'll get into the police uh, later in the episode. Rubbing but yeah. my hands in anticipation. Uh, yeah. Uh, but no, I don't. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Decker's character just is 
deplorable just yeah. absolutely the worst in that he's trying to frame boone and you get the sense that he's done this to other of his patients before like he's probably mm-hmm. pinned these murders on other people in the past and, and, and we're gonna we're gonna get into the allegory of what this whole movie is but uh decker is really representative of like the uh the kind of uh racial purity type person white supremacist type person that kind of I think he just he's, stands for hate more than anything else yeah you know he, what I mean? he, he, he like does an, like some, some some that um we thought of like he's one of those evangelical Christians like yeah that whole evangelical yeah. like religious nut side of religion he's yeah. a bit like that, that that's what he's representative mm-hmm. of yes yeah. very much so um or an car- incel <laughs> well, sure. there's not got, enough of him he's got incel traits I mean yeah. yes but I think I, every serial killer does except <laughs> except that he actually has sex um does he with Cheryl. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, it's implied. You don't know it. You don't. Know. He yeah, could. He could. He could have just done some foreplay and then be like, "Hey, honey, I gotta go to bed." And she's like, "Oh, but he loves me. See, we don't want to have sex on the first day." Yeah. See, there's all kinds. All kinds of stuff could have happened behind closed anyway, doors. Anyway, <laughs> uh, other characters I want to talk. I want to talk about before we get into the night breed. I want to talk about Ashbury a little bit. Yeah, um, Ashbury's a weird lad. Yeah, when I when I was talking about the synopsis, I didn't talk about Ashbury, but essentially Ashbury is a priest who, uh, when uh, Boone is in jail, he is like, also in jail. Yeah, yeah. the priest is, priest is in the drunk take next to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's basically like questioning his faith, sort of thing. And he's like then, an alcoholic, is right. what it's t- said. And he goes on the raid with the police to go to Midian. Because he brings all the crucifixes and iconography yeah. and stuff. Because they think that'll help a little bit. He's basically yeah. the, the religious leader of the group, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, and then when he finally realizes that the Nightbreed are real and Midian's real and Baphomet's real, he renounces his faith. Uh, and he like wants to become one of the night breed, and he like gets into the Baphomet water, which is like he this. doesn't really want to become one. He just kind of hangs around there because he thinks, oh, maybe they'll accept me. And then maybe. he gets yeah. splashed with the Baphomet yeah, water say, yeah, by accident. Splashed, yeah. And they, when he's turned into this night breed character, he kind of turns on them because of the fact that he's been disfigured, yeah. almost forced. Into becoming one of them. Right. Instead of, like, making the choice himself. But yeah. it, it looked to me like he went for the water. Really? That's what it looked like to me, but I, I, thought I don't know. It, Maybe yeah, I, I misinterpreted accident, the scene. But I don't know, yeah. I mean, the temple at this point is falling apart and it's shaking, so yeah. it just sort of goes, and it goes all over him because he's he's getting a bit too close to Baphomet. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it, maybe that maybe that is what it is. It just is. goes everywhere. Just covered in goes. Splurt. Satanic god. Satanic god comes all over priests. You'll never you'll never guess Juice. what happens next. You won't believe picture number six. <laughs> Juice. <laughs> um but yeah, no. Ashbury really is the most complex character to the point that I'm not entirely sure what he represents. And he's not even in it much. Yeah, and you said that there was supposed to be a sequel that was that was meant to be surrounding his story well, more than anything. The way else. they set it up was there was going to be a sequel of him like following them, finding their new home, and maybe trying oh. to. Perhaps I'm reading too much into it, but I feel like if we're going with the allegory of. Uh, basically, the Nightbreeder are the LGBT community being persecuted by the police. 
Let's go. Let's go with that, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Ashbury could be representative of somebody who's in the closet. Yeah. Uh, somebody. Yeah, somebody who's trying to understand themselves better. That I makes think. a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, actually. I think I think that's why Ashbury is one of the more complex characters. Uh, and like I said, maybe I'm reading into it too much, but I think if we're going with that allegory and we do have to analyze the characters on a deeper level, I think. Ashbury's and someone kind that maybe can't accept themselves once they have exactly. come out. Yeah. Yes. I mean, exactly. I, I mean, because that's that's a relatable thing, and I mean, you can see all the traits in there. You know, yeah. starting out, you know, you you're from a Christian family or something like that. You know, you have that going, but then after that, you realize, hmm, well, there's this other stuff out there. Maybe, maybe I'm not exactly, and maybe my religion doesn't fit with who I actually am as a person. That's exactly what I'm saying. And yes. just all of that, just like it fits very well. So for it to not be that would be very surprising. So uh, let's let's get into the night breed a little bit in each individual night breed. We won't we'll talk about them too much because like there's so many of them. There's, but we'll boy, kind of there's gl- loads of boys. Yeah, yeah there, there's a, a wide cast of characters in yeah, this film. So the, <laughs> the, the first one is like the de facto leader of the Nightbreed. Mm. His name is Dirk Lylesberg. Weird Dumbledore. <laughs> yeah. Dirk <laughs> is was, a good boy. Yeah. <laughs> I just like to call him Gilface. Uh, uh, played by the same actor that plays Pinhead in Doug, Hellraiser. Doug Bradley. Yes. A lot, most of the Cenobites are in this, except for, uh, what was the name of the film? Well, uh, Bobby, Bobby Wilde is the Barbie female Wilde. one in the second film. Uh, oh, yeah. I, can't I can't remember the. Wo- I still can't remember the woman's name from the first. <laughs> but yeah. But anyway, but most of the other Cenobites are in this movie. It turns out as various Nightbreed. <laughs> yeah, the guy who played Chatterer, uh, Chatterer what's his Chatterer. name again? Nicholas um, Vince, who is a lovely, yeah. is a lovely human being. Um. Mm. Yeah, he plays Kinski, uh, who's like a moon-shaped face Nightbreed. Uh, he's got a moon face. He does. That's... I kept my funny name for him kept being McDonald's Moon Man, but I tur- it turns out Chrissy told me that that was co-opted by the alt right at one point. So now I I the thing myself. is the thing is the alt right <laughs> tries to co-opt everything yeah. to True. make it racist. It's not it's not you. It's them. Yeah. <laughs> Can, uh, how Nicholas Vint said to that he convinced that Clive convinced him and everyone else from Hellraiser into doing this. Is he said? Oh, if you, if you you know do this film, you can get you know have lines. There'll be a little bit of makeup, and obviously, <laughs> but Nicholas Vince, it's a huge fucking piece. Yeah, yeah. And then Simon Bamford, who plays uh, Onaka, right? He yeah, Onaka. he's the yeah. he's the guy with the dog, who is a really right. obvious gay stereotype. I yeah, oh, I love the dog. The oh, dog. Man. I love how the dog's not. A mutant or a night breed or anything either. He just found this dog in the cemetery and he's like, I love this puppy. (laughs) This is my puppy now. I thought the the dog was a night breed, wasn't he? It doesn't look like Um, it. It looked like just a regular little dog. It's just a dog. (laughs) Oh, is it just a dog? I think it's just a dog. Uh, just I, a good pupper. Yeah, yeah, but his his death scene's really sad. Oh yeah, Yeah. no, I mean it's. mm. Yeah. Uh, All I will say is. mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the um. The the guy who plays Butterball is in this as well. Yeah, that's, that was Simon. That's, that's Simon Bamford. Oh, is, oh, okay, great. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. It's and then, only uh, Bamford, Vince, and and uh, Bradley. Right. Yeah, right. and we mentioned Narcisse earlier. Uh, Hugh Ross plays Narcisse, mm. and uh, Narcisse is that that character that that initially in the in the movie like leads. Uh, a boon down this road that oh uh, Midian is real. He takes him to Margaritaville, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, hey, but essentially, like 
Yeah, but, like, I mean, Narcisse is, like, Boone's companion through this whole thing. Like, mm. he's, like, leading him down the path and, like, helping him through this transitionary period to, but like, also becoming a knight. weirdly breed. wants to get with Laurie and tries to kiss Laurie, but then at the end is just like, yeah. oh, I got this corpse, I'm good. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah Narcisse is... I think he's yeah. just kind of a, a weird slad. That's another reason why I will draw the Jimmy Buffett thing is because now that he knows that he's kind of a night breed and that maybe or maybe not immortal he's kind of just having fun with the whole thing you know what I mean he's uninhibited at this point he's just having a great time it's like the person who has finally accepted themselves and is like fuck it let's just let's just see where this crazy train leads perhaps yes if if we're gonna give him a gay stereotype he's the guy with the drugs He's like the guy. He's like the rave. He's like the rave gay, who's on poppers all the time, and he's just having a great time. The True. PC way to say it is they're fun. They're the fun one. He's, I, I'd go out on a night out with Narcisse. Yeah, seems like he'd sure. be great to drink with. <laughs> um, let's see other characters that I guess we could talk about. There's Rachel. Rachel. Rachel's important, and um, and the. The daughter. Babette. Uh, what was Babette. Babette. Correct. Uh, they're important just because we don't know for sure whether or not her and Dirk are in a nuclear family situation. <laughs> but it's, kind of, it's kind of implied. But she's important because she teaches Maybe Boone they're Polly. Lo- yeah, maybe. She- uh, but she teaches Boone a lot about the world, kind of. or uh, And Laurie a lot. Yeah, she teaches Laurie I mean, a lot about how the night yeah. breed operate. And I think mm-hmm. yes. yeah. with that female connection that Laurie has there, because obviously everyone, sure. most of the other female characters that you see are all weird and deformed and creepy mm-hmm. looking. So a person that looks similar to her, Laurie's able to connect with. Yeah. Right. And yeah. she has uh, the the weirdest power that like, isn't immediately apparent until the end, like in the big battle scene. And you're smoke. just like, why are you here for most of it? You're just the mother to Babette. And then you're like, oh, shit, smoke lady. Yeah. And she smoke has lady. to be naked during it. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> awesome. You can't smoke smokealize your clothes. I mean, everybody knows that. Speaking of naked, uh, <laughs> uh, what's it? Shusha Sassy. Shuna Sassy. the porcupine lady, who apparently a lot of her scenes got cut in the in the final cut. But uh, even the director's cut apparently has a lot of missing scenes with her. But yeah, she I love her. Yeah, I, no, love, she is I great. love her look. She because she just shoots quills, <laughs> and she's like she's like seductive. Like she's seductive, and then she like shoots quills into dudes. And, she's oh. she's got that like weird like um anime monster like monster girl quality, where it's like yeah. man, this is a weird yes. boner. She kind of yes. is a weird Sonic OC, if it I'm honest. Give me, it gives me that half chub, yes. It's, it's, it's good. Like the, oh, um, it's like the, you know, you'd if you're really into something, in the move something weird, you, you'd I, you'd I, blast a nut to it, and then you'd be like, oh, God, what did I watch? <laughs> yeah. I feel like she's also the one that most reminds me of, like, a Star Wars cantina monster. <laughs> yeah. Like, she fits in most with, like, other, uh, like, galaxy far, far away yeah. aliens, as opposed to a night breed. Yeah. So I think... She was made more stylistically than I could I could see her in Jabba's palace, palace during yes, that exactly. palace. For the, <laughs> I could see her during, in Jabba's palace during that like weird singing scene they put in in the uh, remasters. No, no, that scene doesn't exist. We're, okay, I, I, I regret already bringing up Star Wars, I'm sorry. <laughs> <I can't. laughs> and and the, last, the last one I want to talk about is uh, Pelican. Oh. Uh, Pelican. 
Peliquin is, you know, the kind, the the one that just kind of sets everything off. And and like mm. we said before, when we mentioned him before, he's the one with the dreadlocks. Yeah. He's a corn fan ninety eight. Uh, <laughs> he's meat. Um, uh, yeah, he loves meat. He's a rebel. He's, he, yeah. He, I mean, but he, yeah, he does set everything into motion because he brings Boone into the fold initially, and then yeah. he kind of. Well, he he brings him into the fold by biting him. Yeah, yes. true. <laughs> yes, I mean, and it's still bringing him into the fold, but I mean, sets up Boone's connection to the community and sets up Boone's like willingness to help them and want to help them, and then, but after that, Boone. It's like we have to save Lori, well, though, guys, and he's one of the ones saying you can't do that. Now. Yeah, well, and then, and then we, you learn later that those pa- the paintings that are like the prophecy paintings that that Peliquin was apparently destined to bite him yeah. anyway mm-hmm. to make him a right. night breed. So yeah. it's like it's this whole thing where it's like it, it was going to happen anyway, mm-hmm. sort of thing. So you don't really like Peliquin is that's just Peliquin's nature, really. Uh, but, but yeah, he's that's, like the weird Judas. I mean, not not in the sense that not in the sense that Judas was like kind of destined to do what he did to Christ. You know what I mean? I don't know. There's a religious aspect. I to it. guess if you're going with the the more the biblical mm, references yeah. again, yes. Yeah. That, that's uh, also a good yeah. one where he's like, "Hey, you smell innocent, dude. You didn't do this shit." Like he, it's like that that dude in the bar who's like, "Yeah, I've done this and that," and everyone's like, "Nah, mate, you're bullshitting." Pelicans and he's like, "Dude, yeah. he lied." You have not been with Renee Zellweger. Stop lying. My, 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 my favorite is just when he just goes, shut the fuck up. Yeah, that is a good moment. I do love that. Um, yeah, but there, this is, all of the Nightbreed have great makeup. Mm-hmm. Let me, let's just say that because the special effects in this are, they put a lot of money into those special I lo- effects. I love the woman that has, what is it, the fan or the mirror up to her face and then takes it down and then just nothing yeah. there. I love that shot. That's, oh, my, yeah. that's like one of my, and you have to imagine, that must have been like five or six hours worth of makeup work for a shot that's yes. in there for like maybe five seconds. And all yeah, the Nightbreed <laughs> are so individual looking. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. that's true. And the thing is, is if you're watching the original theatrical cut of this, you won't see a lot no. of them uh, because they they cut out a lot of it. Uh, yeah, I would recommend if you're going to watch this movie, watch the director's cut. And we'll get into the the cuts later, mm-hmm. like like why there's different cuts and all that sort of stuff. But watch the director's cut because you'll see a lot more of the Nightbreed. And Barker at the beginning, yeah, t- talking about why things are weird about this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he'll explain it a lot, which yeah. is is good. Yeah, it's, it's very helpful if you're going into this movie blind kind of like we were he explains a lot about what this movie is and so it's important to see what i think my favorite makeup effect is probably uh i think i think moon man good old yeah, I, like narcisse. I, I like narcisse that like, is the, a good one just like the, the he just has a face and then everything around that is kind of just stripped away and you see his brain and you see and unless he's wearing the hat of course <laughs> yeah yeah but I, I like kinski a lot just because that that seems like that one was really tough mm-hmm. i like the guy who's i like i just like like my favorite of like the uh just passing by nightbreed is the guy whose face is in his stomach just oh, like yeah. you see randomly like waddling Start along. Start the reactor. Faces <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in his stomach and it's great. Yeah. Yeah. And then the guy the effects with the little eyes that come out of that one guy. Mm. What, what did you say that character's name was? I his forgot. His name is Leroy Gom. Oh my god. Yeah. Such a good name. <laughs> Leroy Gom. Good old um, Leroy Gom. But yeah, the effects in this, I mean, so much time and effort. And skill went into making everyone look as individualized, like yeah. you said. 
And for some of it, it's just for a couple scenes. That must, it's, yeah, that must yeah. have just been a real robust makeup department oh, that yeah. they had, uh, <laughs> just because the amount of ma- like I thought that the first time I saw it too was just like, just like wow, the amount of makeup that had to go into this movie must have been phenomenal. Like just oh my god. Um, the other interesting thing about this movie, like there's some weird like interesting things about this movie, is the the score. Uh, you'll you'll know you'll notice right from the beginning that this is very much a Danny Elfman oh, yeah. score. Danny Out Elfman of nowhere. pisses all over it. Yeah, yeah. Th- we we already said kind of talking amongst ourselves that this movie has too much music. Yeah, <laughs> yeah which is a weird the- one for us to say. Yeah, right. <laughs> the the score is really good. Like the Danny Elfman score is really good. It's just. All over the place. That's the thing. Is there's so much it barrages you, and with it's music. immediately recognizable as Danny Elfman. Yeah, yeah. You think Batman? We said came out the year before. The year before this. This yeah. just sounds like B-roll from the Batman soundtrack. Yeah, and you're just like, get out of your comfort yeah, zone, it, Danny. Come it on. It shares a lot of. <laughs> it shares a lot of those. Uh, those. Elfmanisms yeah. from from Batman. That's the thing is like you, you you're just like this is is this Batman? You expect it's not the, Batman. You expect the Batmobile to roll into that cemetery at any <laughs> yes. moment and just start exactly. busting heads. You exactly. Know? <laughs> yeah. That's See, the thing. It's just so quintessentially Elfman. I think I mentioned when we did Hellraiser that because we said about or it could have been last week when we did Candyman. I said that I don't really remember the music for Nightbreed, <laughs> and I yeah. don't. It's not like I can. I can, you know, I can hear the Hellraiser music. I can hear mm-hmm. yeah. the Candyman music Oh, you music can definitely head, hear the Candyman. The Nightbreed oh, is yeah, just Candyman like... Mm, love. Mm, mm, yeah. yeah, like Zach says, it's a barrage of Danny Elfman. It's funny I mean, that we did Candyman second because it's like the perfect amount of music. Hellraiser is not enough music or it's not enough memorable music. And then and then Nightbreed's too much music. Yeah. So it's like, it's like Candyman's a happy medium yeah, it's there. it's three little bears here. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Candyman is the Goldilocks yeah. of, the, of the whole thing, really. Yeah. But, yeah. Now, overall, I think, um, I mean, we'll get to this when we sum up, but definitely Candyman's my favorite. But we'll, we'll get to that later. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, back yeah. tonight. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it... Let's let's get into some themes here. Let's talk about let's talk about what this movie is really about. Let's not talk about what it what the surface level is that it's about monsters and minions. Well, let's talk about what this is really an allegory for. Or at least, uh, as always, this is what we think it's an allegory. Yeah. For. Well, I mean, you can tell. Yeah. You can tell it's an allegory for a lot of this stuff. The first the first and most obvious one that I, I think will be obvious to most people, especially just considering how many guns are in this movie, yeah. is the mili- the militarization of the police. Uh, like you can, you go like you, there's even that scene where the guy is. It goes into like the uh, armory for the police, and he's like, he he takes the piano wire. Which why would they have piano wire? That was but he like takes a the, Yeah, yeah, it's it. Yeah, it's a piano wire garrote, whatever. And he just like runs it over his lips, which you missed because you weren't you weren't watching it at the time. But um, he take he takes this garrote and he like runs it ugh, over his lips. Gross. It's a policeman, and it's, it's it really how many is like kids he's killed. Yeah. yeah, that that that's the thing is like you, you see like how how in love basically that the police are with like like weaponry and and that's a, and all this sort of stuff and, and that's a real thing and unfortunately I I should have done a little more research but yeah there's a bill not too long ago that like get, started giving police forces in local communities yeah all this money for ape ape uh, armored personnel vehicles and just assault rifles and all this stuff that local policing doesn't require. Right. I remember coming back from work one day at UPS 
just six o'clock in the morning. And what rolls up next to me is this Den PD armored van with like, you know, the holes for the rifle and this armored paneling. And you're just yep. like, A, my tax money paid for this. And B, what the fuck do you need this for in Denton, Texas? <laughs> I was gonna yeah. say, it's a fucking, and what it's is, a college town. Was it, so Jeez, what, is I mean, he gonna, are they gonna shoot some, some hipster kids? No, and I'll yeah. sit here, no. And every city in America is a dangerous place. There is crime everywhere, be it drug-related, I mean, be it just creepy people. In, like, exactly, that's the point. world we live in. But there are the UK shows that there are ways to to do this, like to confront crime without being a fucking like arsenal. I mean, you know? we don't have police anymore. <laughs> we don't have police. <laughs> Theresa May took away all that funding. Wow. Yeah, but. Uh, New Zealand, Australia, yeah. UK. The the world shows us that it's possible to be a compassionate police force without shooting everyone that like turns the street corner the wrong way or what? I, you know, you know what I mean. I I get really hot about that. I, I'm getting too hot. No, and to to, way too to, hot. Come, to come back to your point, sh- sheer neck, like that area that you know Midian is that comes under their jurisdiction. That's a small town. That's meant to be like a small town. They don't need yeah. that many. That's like right. a doomsday prepper level of like weapons. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, and that's that's the whole thing. They and have and like, just like a, like a fat man from Fallout, for God's sake. Yeah, they, they do. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be comically over the top, mm. like weaponry, but it's also supposed to be commentary on you know how how militarized the police are and the rednecks that join them too that have their own guns and have their own weaponry they're basically sovereign citizens uh essentially or NRA, members. or NRA members or whatever the hell you want them to be the the local militia essentially and what uh, I'll say actually I will take that a step back most NRA members understand that gun control is necessary and most of them love sporting not just having guns for the sake of having guns it's that lobbying element of the NRA that has made both the militarization of the police and the militarization of just uneducated people as bad as it is. As it is. Right. Basically, they're throwing money at the government to make sure that everything's available to anybody <laughs> all the time, and it's sickening to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but basically, this this the whole thing about the police militarization and the police violence, essentially, is uh, the this whole battle between the police and Midian is like an allegory for Stonewall. We which, think, I mean, and I, I, I think I that's right. It won't directly be Stonewall. But well, yeah, it wouldn't it directly also be... can be related to Stonewall. Yeah, that's what we're saying is essentially it, 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 is, it is an allegory. And even if that mm. isn't necessarily Clyde Barker's intention, let's just say that it's that we see it as an allegory for Stonewall. That's how we see it. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole point is that we're trying to show what our opinion of it is and what our interpretation right. of it is. And and that it, it seems to us like Stonewall. Or any time that the police have gone in to a majority LGBT community stronghold or place or neighborhood or borough or whatever you want to call it and just thought that they could run rush out over the place and the people that live there say we fucking live here, assholes. Get out. <laughs> and, and we haven't really talked about Stonewall this month yet. Uh, I think I think this <laughs> it was is due to come up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, this is this is the movie that if we're going to talk about Stonewall, we should talk about Stonewall. Mm. If you don't know what Stonewall is, Stonewall is the uh, was the Stonewall Inn was a uh, basically a, a a gay club in. Uh, where, what city? Was I it thought in? it was New York. Was New I might York. be wrong. Yeah, it is I New think York. it's New York. It is New, yeah. in New York. Okay, Stonewall Inn was it was a club in New York for uh, it was an LGBT club, and basically the police 
performed a raid on it in uh, 1969. And, and then, it was specifically because crime was up or something, and they wanted to show that they were doing stuff, and they thought that this would be a soft community to go into, is yeah, what no, I read. I yeah, might be wrong. The underground that, gay club was targeted because police needed to look like they were doing something. Exactly, right, yeah. Yes, yeah. So basically, in retaliation, there were riots by the L- LGBT community, and essentially that was the first Pride. And yeah. that and that's that's what we talk about when we talk about Pride started as a riot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it started is, yeah. by two trans women of color. Yes, um, and and that's that's why we have to understand and remember what Pride is all about. Is that it's it's about it's you know if we we don't get the rights that we need, then it's going to be a riot all over mm-hmm. again. You yeah. know, and and actually this year is the fiftieth anniversary of Stonewall. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's this has been this has been probably the most, and I, I guess I wasn't as aware of a lot of things prior to this year but this year pride has been a lot more visible Sanitized. to people no no i, I was gonna say visible because just on, on a lot of social media and stuff i've seen a lot more of it than i had in previous years but at the same time it's been co-opted by way more corporations than it has in previous years too and that's sickening in its own right yeah and this 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 whole straight pride thing pisses me off more. That happens I, like I said, every year, though. Yeah, yeah, but that, that, I'm sure that happens every year. You're, you're just more involved in pride than you have been in previous Correct. years, but that's how it's been every year. Ugh, that's so yes. gross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's... That's it's, my life, dude. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's it, that's the whole thing, and that's that's really what we see the film as an allegory for is just mm. basically the persecution of uh, you know groups that are uh, disadvantaged, I guess. Is, yeah. it, let's let's put it that in way. In any sense of the word. In, in yeah. any sense of the word, and, and it's not just it's not just the. Uh, it's not just gay communities. It's you know it could be black communities, people of color. Uh, you know it could be really just anything. Uh, but that that is you know we we derive that allegory from this work because Clyde Barker's gay and he does like to put a lot of commentary in his work. Uh, and when he feel, we feel like maybe that's probably the closest allegory that we can think of. And definitely the the, the whole the whole battle scene at the end. I mean, feels like a dead on, like spot on ringer for. The Stonewall events they, and for you know, any events like yeah. this, you know. Yes, they they arm themselves. It's not like you know these go. You know these people come into their home. They're armed, and so like, hey, no, we're not taking that. And then they end up, you mm. know, arming themselves, and they just they fight nobly, even though they're not fighters. Right. You know, a lot of these, you know, a lot of these, like a lot of the gay people at Stonewall that you know that rioted. You know, they wouldn't have normally rioted. Let's be let's be honest. They wouldn't have normally rioted. They would have wanted to stay home and sort of be quiet and, you know, because persecution. The most right. the majority of the LGBT community from what I have seen in my short experience being kind of a part of it or at least being adjacent to it, they just want to live and just be home and just like be comfy and just like watch movies shit in public. and yeah, just watch, vi- yeah. play just video games like I do. Toilet without being, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like just shit for it. LGBTQ rights are human rights, and the people that don't understand that just it baffles me sometimes because. It's it's just that same thing with uh, they don't understand it so they're scared of it. That's yeah. that's really a lot a large part of it is that the the lack of understanding is the largest rift. I and think that is definitely something that is shown in this movie, obviously, because exactly. yeah. I mean they're monsters and how the monsters were originally supposed to be portrayed in the studio's eyes was supposed to be negatively, and everyone's like that's not the point. They, you <laughs> yeah, know, they look different, you know, and so you know what you don't. What you don't understand, you destroy. 
Hmm. You know, they look weird, you know? So, like, hey, you, go over there and never bother us. Because you <laughs> yeah, look and, weird and we don't like it. And, and, and if we're not adhering strictly to, like, a gay narrative, let's say, uh, that even even then Midian is kind of, like, the whole the whole thing is, like, kind of an allegory for segregation, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, that whole thing where you're trying to separate communities from other communities, you're trying to isolate certain groups. Yeah. Uh, you know, just like you, you would push any group into like a ghetto or you know something like that, and to try and get them away from the main part of society, let's say. And with the nightbreed, it was definitely self-imposed. They went down there because they had to because of persecution, which happens in the <laughs> real world. You know, they, they were people being crucified. Their, yeah, literally, yeah, people form their own communities with people like them because they know that they will be able to live and prosper there and then people want to come in and fuck with it and it's just Mm. like fucking let us be (laughs) right so i don't yeah it's i mean you it doesn't feel like we're digging here i honestly it feels like we're not digging i feel like this is all stuff that you can you can glean just from watching it even even once and Mm -hmm. and you can kind of get that that it's not it's not just a story about monsters being attacked by the police. It's like there's, it's deeper than that. Yeah, and, and it's sad. I mean, it really is a sad story. I don't know. I'm sitting here kind of tearing up about it. <laughs> Which is yeah. weird because like, there's a really moon man up, in it. So. I'm not even kidding. I get really upset during the fight scene. During the battle yeah. scene yeah. where you're mm-hmm. seeing so many of them yeah. die. I get, re- I get really upset. I, <laughs> Steven had to be like, yo, are you okay? <laughs> yeah. No, and I see that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I got a little emotional too, and I'm getting more emotional thinking about it and in the overall context. Like that's what's making me more emotional. It's like, oh shit, that's has to be what it means. But that's yeah, and, but that's that, that's what it needs to be. It needs mm-hmm. to be. People need to understand that that's what it's about, and that that this is like, if they have to have it filtered through the lens of their monsters and they're being persecuted in their own world, essentially. If that's what it takes for people to understand what the plight is like, then mm-hmm. so be it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, you know... And it's sad uh, that this movie isn't more well-known. Because, um, uh, Chrissy, you're the first person that talked to me about it. Like, I, I hadn't heard of it before this. I hadn't heard about it until Chrissy talked to, talked to me about it either. So it's I, know, those, I know it's, a lot of people that knew about it. But I think it's just, it kind of, it slips under the I, radar for younger horror fans, I think. For sure. Well, yeah. I also think it's the people you associate with yeah. would be the group that would know about it better because mm-hmm. I, I hadn't heard about it until you taught me about it. So, and I, you know, I had I had watched Candyman and Hellraiser extensively before that. I knew uh, Clyde Barker's other stuff, so I, I think it is one of those things where pe- less people know about it than should know about it. And it's harder to find. I, I mean, we will say that too. It is harder it, to it find. It took a while for us yes. to be able to find it, and it was just kind of luck that Movie Trading Company had it that day. But let's talk about why it's harder to find, and and part of Ooh. that is the the original cut of it. The way the way it was cut originally it was supposed to portray the the movie studio wanted it to be portrayed as the monsters are bad, yeah. Uh, instead of you know instead of relatable characters as they are, um, and a part of that it means that the message was smudged by the movie the movie uh, or the sorry the studio yeah because it flopped uh, it flopped at first right. Right, so it seemed like a mess maybe in the original theatrical cut because it wasn't portraying the message that it was supposed to portray, you know what I mean? Mm. It's like the the monsters weren't relatable uh, in the original cut, and so... It just, I don't understand how it would have worked, you know what I mean? Right, Because it's so, it's so, the story is so imperative on the monsters being 
not the bad guys. How do you frame this movie to make them the bad guys? Right. That just Yeah, it me. doesn't make any sense. And if yeah. you think about it, it's coming off of at this point, you know, it's coming off of like Hellraiser and stuff. So the studio that made it were like, "Hey, you should do something more like this because this yeah. is what yeah. we've seen you do before." And Barker's like, "No." <laughs> yeah. Well, they you know, and they they just don't get it. Yeah. It's really a large part of it. They just don't understand the whole message behind the whole thing. And they try and explain it to them would probably make it even worse, you know what I mean? Like, mm. oh, it's this allegory for this. And it's like, no, we can't make a movie about that or you know, what have That's you. Not yeah. That's not profitable. That's not profitable. It's not going to put coins in our piggy bank. Right. <laughs> the, um, uh, so the director's so kind of got made because of the fans, which is cool. Yeah. Well, mm. before the director's cut, we had the cabal cut. Which is um, basically, uh, Clyde Barker wanted to make the movie the way it should have been uh, in the theatrical cut. And he basically tracked down uh, all of these uh, these tapes, which were copies of copies of copies, essentially, of some of the missing footage. Uh, so he cut together a, a, a cut with the, some of the missing footage from these tapes, and that's called the Cabal Cut. That's the cut that uh, has a lot of the missing footage put into it. And basically, that those tapes, those copies of copies of copies, led him to the original footage. Uh, eventually, like it led, mm. it, like he got leads to the original footage, and then he cut together the cut that he originally wanted to do, which is the director's cut. That's the one that you should watch, it, as we mentioned. Yeah, earlier. that came out in like what 2015? Is that when uh, that came out? The director's cut. Yeah. Um, 2011, I think, was on. Oh, maybe oh, a bit okay. earlier. Yeah. But it's in but the still, that's still like a two thousands. Yeah, but yeah. still, that's like a 20-year journey yes. of him, like, in between him actually, you know, writing and making a living and stuff, him digging around and trying to find pieces of this movie that, like, he cared about yeah. and wanted to and make, ma- see whole again, it you know? Means, it's it crazy. Means, partially, it was fan outcry. They wanted yeah. they yeah. wanted the, the proper film that they wanted to see, but I think Clyde Barker, you know, putting work into it, he really, it's a movie that he wanted to see as an actual real yeah, version. He too. says in that little bit before the director's cut that he said he saw the original cut as kind of like a failure, like yeah. a personal failure, and him getting this movie put back to right, like in the director's cut and in a new one that they're about to come out with, that is him getting over Ooh. that failure, feeling whole again, kind of. Yeah. And that, I don't know, that's that's kind of emotional, too, is that seeing it the way it's meant to be seen is a journey. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so so the, the director's cut adds 40, it was like 45 minutes, yeah. I think, yeah, of like footage, but it doesn't actually, it only makes it 20 minutes longer because they, like, replace some shots mm. and all that Because a lot of it was the grainy VHS stuff and the cabal cut. It yeah. Was not right. unwatchable, well, but, but I, not I'm good. saying it adds 20 <laughs> minutes to the theatrical cut, right. but it replaces some stuff, right. essentially, is what it does. And then the cabal cut, it called cabal cut, I think, is the same thing, but with the grainier footage. Mm. But they're also trying to make an extended cut. So a real this, cabal cut. This, yeah, <laughs> this current one they're sort of doing. It had a Twitter and the Twitter's mysteriously disappeared, which I'm kind of sad about because we followed that. That was like our first that was like our first follower on Twitter was that account. Oh no. Then, <laughs> and it was an official account as well. But they're meant to be restoring as much footage as they've got a hold of for this Three hour cabal cut. Ugh. Three, <laughs> which probably includes loads of cutscenes that may may make the movie make sense. You said uh, Sheen Assassin. I think Sheen Assassin would be from what the Twitter from that from what that Twitter posted. There were a lot of like shoots uh, Sheen Assassin like photos. 
And there's huh. a lot more like yeah. Anarka as well and all that. I love so. It, the the thing is, is like, I like this movie, but it's already kind of a marathon to watch. <laughs> it's already like, there's so much that It is only two hours, movie. so yeah, a three hour cut. I makes, can, I, it's I, like I the Avengers over here. I, <laughs> I can't think about a Lord of the Rings level <laughs> horror fantasy movie. You would have like had to this. get up and change the tapes in the middle of it if you watched this shit in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, three that would have been like, you know? <laughs> come on. Oh my god! It would have been like Nine. it would have been like six or seven laser disc sides. Uh, it's just so much. It's too many. I don't want to get up and flip that many times, or change discs that many times. If you have one that actually flips itself, you don't even have enough snacks to go get to warrant that many flips. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's like the first time it's popcorn. The next time you're getting your candy. The next time, what do I get after that? I have to fucking get up from something that's not food related too. Fuck. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but that's um. But, we, but yeah, be, be looking for that new cut. We're not entirely sure when it comes out. Like I said, that Twitter vanished. Yeah, so Twitter vanished. There's no, there's no telling when details that, about that I are going to be sparse. If yeah. it's Clive doing it, then there's like going to be like 500 things that release first. Give <laughs> yeah. me yeah, it, 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 it maybe fuck. <laughs> wow yeah but it is it's just one of those things that uh it'll happen eventually probably but we really just don't know right what okay for, for context uh, on that i've been waiting for that book which is one of his which will be one of his latest books i've been that had a release date for four years ago the the last aberrant yeah well the next one yeah. so there's one after that as well he's working on them oh, i think he's said- working on them both simultaneously because it's going to be a quintology. Oh, gotcha. But yeah, um, I'm, <laughs> gotcha. I'm waiting on the, the fourth one, and that's been... Will it settle down? They're coming? It's fine? It's been like Just... four years since it was meant to be released. <laughs> He's taking his time. Would you rather it be released bad or no, big, it, it, take it'll his be, time? It'll be really good. It'll be good. big, because it'll be like this big. Look, if I can... Look, if I can wait like six years for Cyberpunk 2077, <laughs> you can you can wait for this, okay? <laughs> Yeah, I, I I I don't know if I can wait for more Ghostbusters, but I know they're making one. So if I can wait for that, which has been fucking God only knows how long since okay, the so last you're, original. Okay, so you're one. you're waiting for Everett Destrani. You're waiting for Ghostbusters. I'm waiting for Cyberpunk 2077. We all understand the waiting game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but anyway, let's uh let's talk about our favorite moments. Of this I'll get one. mine out of the way. Mine is oh. silly. My favorite. Yours is always silly. <laughs> okay, my favorite moment is when Laurie goes there for the first time, but sees Babette as this terrible ET creature. Like, what? it just looks like ET that hadn't had enough water. It looks. <laughs> it actually looks like uh, the the really fucked up fly at the end of the yeah. fly. Yes, a little uh, bit. Which I wonder if like David Cronenberg had a hand in that and was just like, yeah, I had this thing that I put in the fly that kind of looks like this. this prop. We can use it to change the paint. It's fine. Yeah. But it is an imp- even though it's funny as hell, it's an important mm. scene because that endears Laurie to the night breed and yeah. it brings her into the fold and she learns about where Boone is and what's important about the night breed and why they're cut off from people and so it's an important scene it's just the reason it's my favorite is because of <laughs> this weird funny shrunken that, see, <laughs> Stephen made a horrible joke because we're terrible and, I um, he did he said that Babette looks like a, like the, the E.T. baby looks like what 
Republicans think that like fetuses at like two weeks old look like. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so you made like an abortion. Oh, <laughs> oh god! Man. Oh, just slapped on the pavement. Two days old looks like. You want an abortion now? Talk about a funky fetus. <laughs> I'm not going to touch anything about that one. Okay. Gonna, yeah, leave it on the pavement. It's fine. Slap it on the pavement. <laughs> Woof. Uh, um, you know what? I'm actually not entirely sure what my favorite moment is. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of ones that I, I enjoy. And I guess, you know, some of it, it may it may not even be in the theatrical cut or one's my, my favorite. Was I, I guess it's when... Um, I guess a lot of the Baphomet scenes I like a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I just like Baphomet and the way Matt Baphomet's design. I like the ending one where he's got the mm-hmm. glowing eyes. Mm-hmm. And and uh, it's that same scene where uh, Ashbury gets the Baphomet water on his stupid <laughs> face. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I like all the Baphomet stuff, I think, is, is my favorite stuff from it. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. It's not really much more to it than that. It's yeah. just I like Baphomet. I think... <laughs> yeah. <sighs> One of my favorite moments. It's I don't think it's my favorite, but one of my favorites is when Narcisse lights his cigarette on the wall. He like he like yes. strikes his match on the wall and it makes a noise and everyone looks at him. And he's like, Sorry. <laughs> yeah, he just does that. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Like, I love it. I love that it is so much. I do love Narcisse. Like and I think he's my favorite character. He's some and, good comedy. Uh, if he's I had some to pick a second. Relief. Yeah, yes. and if I had to pick a second favorite moment, it's definitely when he meets Narcisse for the first time mm. in the hospital before he slashes his face. Oh, that, yeah. That's a really good scene. That's an amazing it scene. It is a good scene. Because it sets up yeah. the world in a really fun way. Yeah. There's yeah. too many good uh, moments, and quote, it was quote, hard quote. to... It's like Candyman. <laughs> it was hard to pick a favorite moment. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Candyman was a tough one to choose. And like, like I said, I was going to talk about it a little bit later. Of the three Barker films that we watched... This, I feel, is the weakest, or is at least my least favorite. Maybe not weakest, but definitely my least favorite. It I, goes Candyman, Hellraiser, Nightbreed for here, me. Here's the thing. Here's here's how I, I feel about Nightbreed. I feel like it has the strongest mm. message. Okay. But I feel like it has the weakest material. Let me see, let me put it that way. It's like I feel like as far as like the message is concerned, it has the strongest message and it conveys it the best way. But I feel like the source material and the way it's portrayed is not as good as maybe it could have been. Because uh, I feel like Candyman's more concise. Hellraiser's more concise. Uh, Candyman yes. just has the best overall story mm. is the way that I'm going to put it. I feel like Candyman is the be- the best adaption period of Clive Barker's, but I feel like Nightbreed has the most potential to actually make a difference. Let me say it that way. Um, and, and and Hellraiser is just... Hellraiser's just Hellraiser. Hellraiser's just a fever dream. Yeah. Right, yeah. Hellraiser's just Hellraiser. But I, I feel like Nightbreed has the best message. Let me put it that way. See, for me, it's Nightbreed, Candyman, Hellraiser. And I think it's just because I've got that queer connection more with... Sure. With Nightbreed, I've got that connection more with it, and also it was one of the first Barker books I read after being introduced to like Aberat and the well and the Books of Blood because my dad because my dad lent me his copy of the Books of Blood, mm-hmm. so you know it was one of the first one of the short stories I read and it just grabbed me and I loved it. No, I mean I think that's a, yeah. So I feel like. 
I think it depends on your experiences. Definitely. Uh, um, a lot. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I, yeah. I, I just get overwhelmed with it, I think, is another thing. And so don't get turned off you, uh, if you ha- are seeing this movie for the first time, because this is one of the first movies we can say. It's like, oh, if you haven't seen this one, what are you doing? No, it, this is a hard one to find. So mm-hmm. um, if you're seeing this for the first time, don't get turned off, I guess, going in, because it throws a lot at you. It throws like, a, quite a bit at I you. I feel like <laughs> you should watch it a couple more times, too. And Even, like, yeah, really, yeah, no, really sure. maybe, maybe kind of dive into the material a little mm-hmm. bit more, I think, yeah. is, is part of it. Because watching it the first time, it is a little bit overwhelming because of how much stuff there is in it and how long it is. And just there's there's a lot there to, to digest. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe it does kind of require a couple watches for you to really maybe, uh, I guess, understand it better or maybe kind of grasp everything that's happening better. Uh, but yeah, it's it is it has the best message in my like opinion. With most of the things that we watch, it was Steven's first time, and I did he did keep asking me like sort of what was, what, not what was going on, but like he would be like, hey, so this is what I've got from it at this point. Am I on the right track? Yeah, and that's kind of how Zach and I watched it too. I was like, is, is this what this? Can I? Can we clarify? Can we stop and just have a breather for a second? Yeah. So it's one of those types of movies, I guess. Yeah. Second and third watches will be easier once you know, mm. and you can pe- you can piece things together yourself in your head without having to have like a, a seasoned knower of this movie next to you. <laughs> yeah. Y'all needed me. Y'all needed me. <laughs> yeah. This would have been a very good well, movie to watch. Yeah, together. And, and that was the second time I had seen Nightbreed uh-huh. is when we watched it together, and I I did start picking up things a little bit more the second time, where I was just like, because I had already seen it, I knew what happened, and. Mm-hmm. And then, like, when I was trying to analyze it, which is, you know, the second watch is always trying to more analyze what it's about rather than actually just kind of absorbing the material, uh, I I did see more uh, allegories than I had seen before and more connections than I had seen before. And I think that's important. I didn't think any movie... Uh, that that we talk about that has a deeper message, watch it multiple times. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, if, you, if you're really watching a movie to get uh, an analysis of it, always watch it more than once. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but uh, or if yeah. you if you just want to watch it for kind of schlocky good monster guys, then watch it for good schlocky monster guys. But remember, yeah, for sure, it's about the gays. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, or if you just want to listen to just a really, really intense Danny Elfman song. <laughs> it's got something for everyone, is what we're yeah, saying. <laughs> yeah. If you just love Danny Elfman and you can't get enough of Oingo Boingo. If you uh, like Tim Burton, but uh, kind of annoyed with his don't racism, like Tim try Nightbreed. <laughs> yeah, if you're annoyed by Tim Burton, but you like the music, watch Nightbreed. <laughs> I still don't want it. No, I don't like Tim Burton. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry. We're ending this on a down note. I hate Tim Burton now. But, yeah, okay, I, I'm not it, a huge fan it, of we're out, Tim we're Burton. Out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, I, says trans rights. Hell he he yeah. has to. There's no way he doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's... Uh, it's, it's That's nice for you guys. It's all good stuff. Wow. It's, it's dense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, thank you all for listening to this whole three-part uh, Barker Bonanza that we had. Uh, we we weren't sure how it was going to go over. It seems like people like it, which is good. I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I enjoyed it the like entire it. time, so it doesn't... Yeah. yeah. It was definitely the... Uh, like, it's the first time we ever tried a multi-part series yeah, thing. Like a big theme. Yeah, and uh, I, I think we did pretty well considering... Um, but yeah, I mean, in the future we'll probably do some more uh, multi-part episodes, I guess, uh, and uh, we'll try and just uh, c- 
cover some more heavy hitters in the future. The ones that we have uh, coming up soon are, are good. You're gonna yeah, like them. I'm, yeah, I'm you're excited. gonna uh, you're gonna love them. I, I, I yeah, well, I do want to do more like month long. Like theme, yeah. uh, type type and, uh, approaches. And the more people that we uh, have listened to the show, the more people <laughs> that we have contribute to the Patreon, uh, we can do some more of those extended episodes where we do more research and we have mm. more uh, depth to the episodes. Because then, I mean, we'll be able to actually really know that people care about it. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, uh, so yeah, it's, we'll try and do some more multi part episodes. But for right now, we're still going to just keep doing the one off ones yep. and uh, just see how that goes. But we still got one more gay one left. Oh yeah, got one, one more gay more one gay in store. One. Not gonna spoil it, but we got we got some gay coming. Oh, the the next episode's great, um, <laughs> and I love the movie that we're covering next episode. It's it's one of my favorite movies. It's one right. of my favorite sequels. Let me just mm. put it that way. Stay tuned, guys. Yeah, it's gonna be good. It's, a, it's yeah. our first sequel, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it'll be it our first actually, sequel. Yeah. It's all gonna be our first sequel, and uh, you're gonna like it a lot. I think. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you. I gotta Thank go to work guys. now. Fun, right? I yeah. gotta go <laughs> give my cat dinner because he is looking at me. He's got a pissed off look <laughs> right now. Like, I'll you in a minute, Loki Bones. <laughs> I need to eat. Yeah, is what I need to do. So I'm gonna go do that, and uh, we'll uh, see you next time. Yes. love you, everybody. Have fun, guys. And- Bye. Everyone listening, you're all honorary gays if you want that. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, we love you. Bye.